Hey, good morning, Munchtropolis. It's now 5 after the hour of 6 a.m. in the big monster city. Come on! Let's get pumped! I'm not drinking any fucking below! What can I say? The camera loves me. Shall we begin? After you, Junior. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Log It. Uh, we're on episode 45. We're talking about biopics tonight. Lots of lots of options here. Uh, joining, as always, Caleb Bowman. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, yeah. I, uh, biopics, I enjoy those. Those are good movies. I don't know where it's going with this. <laughs> Fair. Uh, I also just realized right before we started, this is like a reunion from two weeks ago. This was the exact yeah. same panel that we had two weeks ago, which is kind of funny. We're, awesome. yeah. We're in the same places, too, on screen, even. Creepy. That's People are going to think it's a repeat. <laughs> Garth, welcome back after two weeks. How are you, sir? So Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. No, uh, <laughs> everything's good. Uh, glad to be here. And uh, that intro gives me flashbacks to my deep study of Monsters Inc. and six oh five a.m. Even though it said it, it was saying six a.m. You know. Rough, rough, rough everywhere. Uh, Scott, welcome back. How are you? Scott? <clears throat> Doing well, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, I'll be interested to see what gets drafted here. I feel like there's some things you don't traditionally think of as biopics, but like actually do qualify um, that are probably going to come up like some all time classics. Um, I might, you know, dip my toe in both waters, so to speak. So we'll see. That's fair. And Kirk, you're back for week three in a row, I believe. How are you, sir? I'm doing all right. Uh, as far as biopics go, the biopic of my life. I'd like to think I would be played by Chris Pine, but in reality, <laughs> I'd be played by Ray Romano. So, <laughs> yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Buddy. I accept it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we're going to kick off the show the way that we do every week. Uh, we're going to start by talking about our favorite movie that we logged this week. Boatman, why don't you kick us off on this one? Uh, yeah, uh, my favorite movie that I saw this week is uh, a movie that has been brought up on this show before, I believe, by one Mr. Scott Harvey. Uh, but none of us uh, peasants had the ability to see it yet. But now it's in the theaters. Oh, or I did have the ability. <laughs> okay, but uh, I know what, what you mean. I know what you mean. <laughs> what uh, it is now in theaters, and I believe it's also on Apple. I'm not actually sure. I saw it in theaters. Um, be proud of me, Tim. I saw it in theaters. Uh, but anyway, Cha Cha Real Smooth. That's the movie. Uh, this is this is fantastic. Uh, it's about this guy who's like a party starter at bar mitzvahs, and Cooper Rafe is just phenomenal here. Like, he just blew me away how good he is in this movie. Like, he's he's great. The whole cast is great. Uh, Dakota Johnson is really good. Uh, I can't remember the name of the person who plays her daughter, but she is fantastic. Uh, Leslie Mann is the best she's ever been in this. And uh, Kirk, your co-star Brad Garrett's in this movie. Uh, and <laughs> Brad Garrett is in this? Brad Garrett's yeah. in this, and he's actually... Why didn't I watch this night one? Yeah, why haven't you watched 
He's actually like, really good in this movie too, Tim. Good. He's like really good. Uh, all like the child actors are great in this too. Yeah, no, this this movie like rocks. It has like a banging soundtrack. It, this movie's really good. Yeah, I haven't watched it yet. Um, I really, I, I want to see it in the theater if I can, and it is playing at a theater near me. I've just had like the week from hell, um, and so I got to see one movie this week, and it was Lightyear. So that was and. This, I don't even think this started when I saw Lightyear. So actually, now that I'm thinking about it. But anyway, moral of the story, I want to see it. I'm going to try to see it in the theater. Um, so I know it is available for me to watch at home. I could easily watch it at home any day this week. But I'm going to try to get to the theater to watch it. Um, but I've heard only good things. Um, I'm getting a little worried because it's starting to hit that, like, everybody likes it status. And then I saw Payson say this movie was made for zoomers which kind of instantly turned me off to thinking that i'm gonna like the movie uh but i think I, that knowing knowing know what it, i'm probably gonna dig it he's saying it in a weird way but he's actually like accurate because it's it's very much it's that it's the generation of people who grew up in the 2010s is who like it's the first movie i've seen that like has it's about the people who grew up within the 2010s. So I'll probably like it. Okay. Uh, Garth. Uh, I have not seen it yet. If it's made for Zoomers, then I'm, I might be out of luck because uh, I'm, I'm three years off of being a boomer. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but I, I, did, I have seen the trailer for it, and it looked really cool. Uh, the lead guy. Uh, uh, Cooper Rafe. Cooper, yeah, he, uh, he reminds me of Sam Rockwell a bit. Uh, in in the tra- in what I saw in the trailer, so that so explains so much. <laughs> so I was like, you know, this look this looks very fun and interesting. Uh, so yeah, I'm definitely. I know it's on Apple uh, Plus now, so I, I might check it out soon. Uh, Scott, you have talked about this on here before. Yeah, I brought it up back in January, or February after I watched it at Virtual Sundance because I knew that people were going to flip for this movie and rightfully so when it came out because I think it is in that sweet spot for uh, particularly people in the community because we're all around a certain age, at least, you know, myself, Tim Boatman of the people here are. Um, and yeah, I, some people are not going to go for it and you know the pe- people who are cynics people who are hard-hearted people who don't like movies where people where the characters wear their hearts on their sleeves you know and are pretty earnest about their feelings and everything um but i usually am a sucker for those and especially when the feelings that are being expressed are like relatable things to people in their you know to, to our generation again we're in our mid-20s mid to late 20s um and he's kind of searching for his way in life. I mean, there's a lot of movies that I love that are have that basic setup of somebody in their 20s just trying to figure it out. And this is another one. Um, and yeah, I think all the performances are great. Um, Dakota Johnson, for me, you know, early awards candidate. Uh, I, I loved her in this. Um, and Vanessa Berghardt, who plays her daughter, the autistic actress, was also phenomenal. Um, yeah, everybody's great, and all of the supporting characters get their own little moments in the movie. So uh, Cooper Rafe does a really nice job of spreading the wealth. And I think uh, if you saw his first movie, Shithouse, which I highly recommend as well, um, 
the letdown of that movie was the ending. Everything about it was great, but the ending. This time, I think he gets right with the ending what he got wrong in Shithouse. So um, I think it's actually a little bit better movie. And I hope that this gets the same traction as Coda did last year from Apple, pushing it for Best Picture because that's what I was about. I to think ask. it's a better movie. Yeah, that's what I was about to ask. Do we think that this is going to be the next like Coda situation? For I mean. Apple? I definitely think so because it has it has the representation in it, right? Like Coda had, and it also, I mean, it is a crowd pleaser. Like I said, some people are not going to go for it, but some people didn't go for Coda either. Like you know, there's you're not going to please everybody. Um, it, it's, but I think it's it's the closest thing you know to a crowd pleaser. Um, that I don't Apple's probably going to put out. I loved it. I don't think it's going to have the universality that Coda had that made coda like the giant breakout hit that it was i feel like this is one it's probably going to get like an original screenplay nomination and maybe nothing else is if i had to guess i could see that yeah kirk i saw that you watched this which honestly surprised me uh that you saw yeah. you, you you kind of are the guy that i'm expecting to see watch the new release like three or four weeks later after it's out no um, you hit this right away. What did you think of it? I've been looking forward to this. They, they said, what do you want to do for Father's Day? I said, we're going to see Cha-Cha Real Smooth. So we all oh, went. Nice. I'm really, I'm really excited to finally be able to talk good about a movie I saw over the weekend. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, and to, to assuade uh, Garth's fears and your fears, Tim, um, I don't think it's a necessary turnoff for older viewers um, or even viewers who aren't in that you know very strict de demographic. One of the things I love about the movie is that it has characters – of different ages, different, you know, experience. And it, no one is set up as the other, like it shows them all. And they're all, it has like that kind of ladybird feel to it where, you know, you understand where everyone's coming from and you can kind of relate to everybody and everybody has their own experience at where they're at in their life. And it's it, the movie respects all of it. Like it, it looks at you, this person's going through this and has them happen to it. This person's a different place and looks that different, but no one's seen as wrong or like doing it wrong. It just, okay, this is where you're at life and this is how life works for you. Um, that's something I really liked about it. Um, Dakota Johnson, yeah, is great. And the more I see her, the more I'm like, just oh. really enamored by her. She's fantastic. Um, and I wouldn't be me if I didn't point out this is a Pittsburgh movie. Um, they, they, they filmed this at the mall, uh, local mall where my daughter was working at uh, while, while awesome. they were filming it. Yeah. Every, all the, all the mall, the mall is pretty much dead right now. And the actual food court is completely empty. And a lot of the mall employees got excited when they saw Meat Sticks going up because they all thought they were going to get corn dogs. And they were really <laughs> let down when they found out it was just for the movie. Question. All right. So I've just – I need I need to know. So there's three people here who have seen this, and I feel like you guys know my taste pretty well. There's a showing of this at 10.30 p.m. at the theater 15 minutes from me. Do I go tonight? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think you'll like it. Okay, I'm gonna go see this tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Maggie's looking at me like, "What the fuck are you doing?" I was gonna say, Maggie's probably giving you quite a look right now. <laughs> oh, she's gonna be, she'll be in bed. So, uh, okay, so fantastic, uh, great first uh, one to kick us off. Garth, why don't you go next? Uh, what was your favorite movie you watched? Uh, well, originally I thought it was gonna be Top Gun Maverick, which I watched on Saturday, and I gave four and a half stars. I really loved it. Then on Sunday, I got surprised. I watched a different movie directed by Joseph Kaczynski and also starring Miles Teller. And I was blown away more by it and gave it five stars. And that's only The Brave. Uh, 
it's uh it's actually a biopic and uh if it weren't for a recency bias and me seeing it only once it might have been brought up tonight in it for biopics uh it's it's about uh firefighters the granite mountain hot shots in arizona uh and it's a it's a true story about uh them teaming up and battling fires and stuff like that and what happens with them and the main thing I can say about this movie is don't read the wiki or IMDb or anything about it because uh, it, it has some surprises that uh, I'm glad I didn't know about. Uh, I was I was surprised when certain things happened. Um, and it has like a great cast. It has uh, Josh Brolin and Jennifer Connelly and Jeff Bridges and a bunch of others. Uh, and <clears throat> I think Miles Teller gives an Oscar level performance in this he goes through all sorts of gamuts of emotions and stuff uh goes from being a junkie to a firefighter and, and uh you know trying to improve his life and trying to be a good guy and stuff and uh it's it's a really well-made movie i highly recommend it. yeah i saw this in the theater back when it came out this was like the october of uh miles teller because this and thank you for your service came out like a week apart from each other. And it was like, wow, I went and saw two kind of sad <laughs> Miles Teller dramas back to back. But no, he's excellent in this. I forgot that Joseph Kaczynski directed this. I thought you were going to say the one that just came out on Netflix. I haven't seen it. Uh, I forget what it's Spider called. Spiderhead. Yeah. Spider I've heard yeah, that's okay, but I still want to watch it. Um, but. Yeah, no, I really like this movie. This I forgot about this movie until you just brought it up. But this is fantastic. I believe Josh Brolin's also in this. Um, yep. Jeff Bridges, uh, I remember being in the – and you said Jennifer Conley. Yeah, like yep. – uh, which, man, I forgot all these actors are also in Top Gun. Interesting. Um, but, yeah, no, I really liked this. I remember going to see it, and this was, like, one of those weird ones where, like, my Midwestern – wisconsin movie theater this is like one of those movies that like popped off at my theater that just like randomly like every person above the age of 60 needed to go see this <laughs> and we went to see it and it was like oh we could just walk in and get tickets and then there were only seats left in like the front two rows so we ended up sitting in like the second row and like garth said it's about firefighters and stuff it's super intense and there's some stuff that happens in this movie that, yeah, no, you're right, super emotional. Um, I liked this, like, honestly, probably better than um, the the other fight. Well, it's not really a firefighter movie, but it kind of had the same vibe for me. The, oh, shit, why can't I think of it? Scott, who directed Wind River? Taylor uh, Sheridan. Taylor Sheridan, yeah. yeah. That, Those Who Wish Me Dead is with, the movie. Here. The one that yeah. he just did with Angelina Jolie. Uh, Those, Those Who Wish, wish Me dead, dead, yeah. It had a similar vibe to me, and I thought this was a lot, a lot better. This was, this was really excellent. That's a good point. I, I need to give this a rewatch because this was a great movie. Bowman, have you seen it? I have not. Uh, I heard meh things at the time, but if you guys are saying this is really good, I should check it out. Yeah, I, I liked it a lot. Uh, Scott, have you seen it? Yeah, no, I haven't. I'm really curious about it after watching Top Gun Maverick because, like, I went back and was looking at this movie, and I was like. I do not remember this movie existing at all. And then I like looked at the cast. I looked at it. It has like good reviews. And I was like, 
how like how did I never hear about this movie? Like this was yeah. only 2017 when it came out. So I'm really curious about it now. I definitely want to watch it. I'm going to watch Spiderhead this week as well. So maybe I'll just make a double feature of it. It was kind of buried because if I remember correctly, it came out right around the same time as um Thank you for your service. Well, yeah, that that one I brought up and then it was uh um uh, the new like Jigsaw movie had just come out, and then even oh, though it was, yeah. ter- it was terrible, but Suburbicon had like just come out, and that was like a big talking point was like Clooney and all that. And then uh, I think Thor came out like the next week after this, so it kind of mm-hmm. like was sent sure. out to die at the theater. But uh, Kirk, did you get a chance to see this one? I have not seen it. it, was really off my radar. Like, I remember it came and went, and there's nothing in the promotion of it that made me really interested. Um, but the way you're all talking about it, the comparisons you're making is not what I expected from it all. Um, so my curiosity is definitely peaked now. Uh, it looks like it is on Hulu. Uh, yeah, and it's it's like three or four bucks on Amazon Prime. Yeah, no, I think it, I think it's definitely worth a watch. Um, it's not like a five star movie or anything to me, Garth. It was to Garth, but uh, yeah. I, I I think it's a great movie, very very much worth watching. So. That's a great pick, Garth. Uh, okay, Scott, let's move over to you. Okay, um, so I watched a lot of good movies, rewatched some stuff I love, like Heat and The Dark Knight, which are basically the same movie, but um, I loved both of them, of course. And uh, But I'm going with the first-time watch. Uh, so Boatman already picked you know, one of my previous choices, so I'm kind of going to pick one of uh, a Boatman choice here. I watched Lost in America um, for the first time. Yeah. The, uh, the movie watching challenge I'm doing, we had to watch a movie by a Brooks, so Mel Brooks or James L. Brooks or Albert Brooks, and so I chose an Albert Brooks film. I watched Lost in America. Um, it's great. Um, it's, a, it's a really fun satire of, like, it's, it's, you know, of yuppie culture. Like, it's of a particular era, but, like, I didn't feel like it was disconnected from, like, what's going on today. Basically, um, the plot is that Albert Brooks and Julie Haggerty, who plays his wife, are um, these kind of well-to-do, you know, middle, upper middle class people. And they just decide to quit their jobs and go on the road and just try to make it, uh, you know, somewhere else in America um, because they're not happy with what they're doing. And uh, and obviously it doesn't turn out exactly how they plan. I mean, it is a comedy, I think, first and foremost. And I laughed a lot during the movie. Um but I, you know, I think it, it has some perceptive things on on uh, on its mind. It reminded me of uh, one of my favorite songs, the song "Common People" by Pulp, which is basically a song about um, a rich girl who says, "Oh, I want to pretend to be like the you know working class for a week or whatever," and then discovers it's not really what it's cut out to be. Um, and that's kind of what the movie is. But I also does I also don't think like it has a sour taste of like. Um, oh, well, we tried making it as working class people, but, uh, you know, it sucks out there or whatever. Like, I don't know. It it could have a really condescending, I think, or superior attitude, and it doesn't because I think it's satirizing all of the experiences in a way. Like, you know, they're not really better off in their well-to-do jobs, even though, you know, they decide that, hey, it's probably better that we go back to these. Um, It's just kind of, um, you know, looking at things from all sides and, you know, looking at American 
socioeconomic situation from a bunch of different perspectives. So I, I, thought, I thought it was a really smart movie in addition to being um, really funny uh, and it's only like 90 something minutes. So, you know, packs it into a nice tight package. Um, so I thought it was great. And I think people should check it out. Kirk, have you seen this one? I have not. Okay. Uh, yeah, this was, so in 2020, I said to my good friend, Caleb Boatman, Caleb Boatman, I need two Albert Brooks movies. Which ones am I going to watch? And he said, you're going to watch Lost in America and Defending Your Life. Well, I watched Lost in America in 2020. It took me another year to watch Defending Your Life. I've seen them both now. Uh, But I really liked this. Maggie and I watched it together. I bought the, uh, to pull out of Payson Johnson, uh, I uh, brought the Criterion Collection Blu-ray and watched that. And uh, very much enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was very funny. I also, 91 minutes, y- you got me. Um, I- am I correct? I'm remembering this right, that this is the one where he becomes like a traffic guy. at what at, That is the one that is crossing guard, yeah. Video, right? Yeah, okay. That's not I, was just, I was just making sure that was the same movie. Um, but yeah, I really liked this. I It's not like an all-timer for me or anything, but... 90 minutes albert brooks being albert brooks like i i'm there for it i thought i thought it was very clever very funny um and i did like how a movie that's you know 30 years old at this point is still pretty relevant at the end of the day so uh very much enjoyed it uh boatman go ahead uh yeah i love this uh, Nicholas Winding Refn has said that this is the movie that got him to cast Albert Brooks in Drive. Perfect. Like, <laughs> if you look at some of the scenes, it makes sense. I love Albert Brooks's rant on Julie Haggerty for losing the nest egg. Mm. It's it's one of the funniest. I don't even want you to say the word nest or egg. Hey, look, honey, there's some round sticks in a tree. Or, honey, you want some things on your eggs or on your toast. Like, yeah. it's, it's a great rant. Julie Haggerty, though. Like, I love Albert Brooks. Don't get me wrong. Albert Brooks is fun, very funny in this. Julie Haggerty is so perfect in this movie. It is just a masterclass comedic performance because she has to be just annoying enough to where you're on Brooks' side, but then you're also not. And it's great. And she just plays it perfectly. Uh, the, the, the scene, everything at the casino is amazing. Like her freak out at the roulette table and then also... That amazing Gary Marshall cameo is just incredible. I love this movie. Uh, just a brilliant film. Garth, what do you think about it? I love it. Uh, one of my favorite Albert Brooks movies. Uh, it, it's it's so well done. And, it you know, I, I, I saw it when it came out. And it is a product of its time a, a bit. But I was at that time. And... <clears throat> And I identified with a lot of the stuff they were talking about. And for me, my personal favorite scene is when he and uh, Julie Haggerty are practicing. He's he's going in and he's trying to, you know, get a certain salary. And it's like, okay, I won't take a penny less than this. I won't do this. That's defending your life, Garth. Oh. Oh, shit. Never mind. (laughs) 
Like I'm mixing cool. up my Helper Brooks. It's a great movie, though. It's also, <laughs> also a great movie. But I'm sorry. No, I you're good. Showed, I, I just showed my movie trivia how, how I'm in the lower tiers. Uh, <laughs> We've uh, all been there. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, but no, this is a great movie, and you know, I I, I love it. Even all right. My favorite scene is from another movie. <laughs> all right uh kirk let's move over to you uh your favorite movie along this week uh favorite movie i wa- watched this week it would have been church of real smooth but uh second place would go to a little horror movie called the wolf of snow hollow from 2020 um this is i didn't know anything about this the reason i watched it was because i had it on my watch list because i saw it like something about, like that looked interesting so going through my watch list i saw it pop up I'm like oh i should watch it sometime and then immediately popped up for free on Amazon Prime. So I'm like, this is meant to be. I need to watch this. Um, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know much about Jim Cummings. Uh, I hadn't seen any of his previous work. I knew he had a uh, background in comedy, but I didn't know if he was doing like a Jordan Pill thing where he was going, you know, more straight horror. Um, and this movie's great. Um, it's the tone of it is so weird because it is a comedy. Um, but it's dealing with some really serious stuff. You know, obviously there's like, you know, the horror aspect, there's like a series of very brutal murders happening. Um, but also like the main character played by Jim Cummings, he's like the assistant sheriff. His dad's the sheriff of this little town. He's an alcoholic. Uh, his, you know, he's estranged from his family. Uh, his dad's dying basically. And he's dealing with all that and he has all that stress on him. Um, but the way he plays it, the tone is so weird because there's certain points where you're like, okay, yeah, they're doing like the office, like cringy kind of, you know, comedy. Uh, but then it gets to the point where all of a sudden you're wondering, like, is this like, I, I, I'm still laughing, but I'm not sure if I should be like, it gets to the point where like, it just gets really dark and this humor so dry that you really don't see where the shift is. And, um, but it's still just, like I said, I, I've never seen a movie with this kind of tone and this kind of feel to it before. Um, and yeah, Robert Forrester plays his dad, he's really great, and I think this is his last movie. Um, and there's just so many great little moments, great little lines, uh, just real subtle humor, like I said, real dry. Um, there's a couple scenes where, um, Jim Cummings' character's like at an A meeting, he's up talking, and the camera's on him, and there are like several characters that you only are introduced to through him talking to them or talking about them through these and like it just like really like passive aggressive shots he's taking at them um so that's a lot of fun plus like it's just a cool horror movie like it's the whole thing is like is this these attacks is it actually a werewolf is it you know a serial killer they're trying that's that's part of his frustration is trying to get to the bottom of that um but yeah it's a great comedy great horror movie i, I thought it was a lot of fun Muted. I am muted. Uh, I have not seen this. I had never heard of this until you logged it, but uh, sounds interesting. Um, into it, Bowman. Yeah, I also have not seen this. I really want to see Thunder Road, which I believe was Cummings' debut, or if not his debut. Yeah, that was his first movie. Yeah. Yeah, that was. His I'm gonna debut. go back and watch that now. I I've heard great things about that. I didn't. I haven't really heard anything about anything else he did like after that. Uh, but no, if this is good, I'll check it out. Garth, no, nope, not familiar with it. Uh, but uh, kind of had me with Robert Forrester being in it because I'm a big fan of him, so I'll check it out. Maggie is like freaking out. 
Bugs, got it. Uh, Scott, have you seen this? Uh, no, uh, but I echo what everyone said. I'm, I've heard good things about this and Thunder Road, and I love Robert Forster too, so um, I'll probably enjoy it. All right. Okay, so then we will move on to my favorite pick. Uh, I didn't know that this was going to be so controversial, uh, <laughs> but I, I really like Blightyear. I'm sorry. Like, here's here's the thing. And uh, let me preface this by saying, Boatman, I'm not attacking you, so calm down. When did uh, I say you were – what? I, I, so you specifically and a couple other people – made some points that I just like strongly disagree with. So I just need you to know that like ahead of time, yeah. I'm not attacking you. Uh, but at the core of the movie, I just really liked the movie. Like um, seeing Pixar in the theater again was huge for me. Um, I'm a, I'm kind of an emotional disaster when it comes to Disney. And so sitting in the theater and realizing that it was the first time since March of 2020 that Maggie and I had sat down for a Pixar film in the theater together was, was truly special. Uh, and not only that, but like toy story is a, a big part of my life. I love Buzz Lightyear. So uh, I was game for it. And this was like, I I'm, I'm even the kid that like watched the like Buzz Lightyear of star command when it was on <laughs> like the cartoon. Like, so I, I, I was ready for this. I've been on board for this movie since they announced it. Um, I just think the idea is super smart of like, this is the movie that Andy watched that made him obsessed with Buzz Lightyear. I fucking love that hook. And I don't need it to do like, I, that that's it. Like at, at that point, it just needs to be a fun sci-fi movie. And I thought it was a really fun sci-fi movie. Um, and I think that I thought Chris Evans was honestly like, I was a little worried about it at first, but then by the end of the movie, like I didn't even notice anymore. Um, I think there are people on the internet that are like pissed that it's not Tim Allen. Like I like, okay. Like it doesn't, it didn't bother me at all. Um, but I thought all the characters were super fun. Socks is a fucking treasure that we must save at all costs. I Maggie hasn't laughed that hard in a movie in a hot minute. And that just like brought so much joy to me. Um, I thought visually it was really interesting and cool. I liked the, the, the planet and the design and like, uh, I thought the Zerg robots were cool. I liked Zerg. Like, I don't want to get too much into that, but like, cause it is kind of spoiler heavy, but, um, there's stuff that goes on with Zerg that I thought was, was cool and, and twisty that I liked. And I, the, the biggest complaint that I've seen, which is getting to the boatman thing, which sorry, boatman, but I saw a few people, not just in the community, just on Twitter in general, say that like it the movie feels like it's wanting to like make references to Toy Story, but then not be part of Toy Story. And my my only response to that is like I I know what I know where people are coming from with that, but there are like shots in the movie like Buzz, like the shot in where he's looking like the POV of his helmet moving, and you see his reflection of his face like in the in the helmet like in the first toy story when he comes out of the when you when you meet buzz for the first time it, it's the same shot and to me that's like there are a lot of references like that lines of dialogue like my ship or like the uh uh him saying like there's no sign of intelligent life anywhere and to me that all worked so well because buzz that we know tim allen the toy would be quoting things like that because he's a toy 
from this movie. So that worked for me 100%. Um, I think that I probably liked it way more than it deserves to be liked in the sense that I just had so much fun in the theater. I thought at the end of the day, the sci-fi elements and the action I thought was really good for like a, a Pixar film, for a kid's film. Um, I thought Giacchino's score was actually pretty cool. I've seen the movie twice now and I really liked his score. And um, I also just like that at the end of the day, like we could have like a, a, a buzz franchise that like Andy would have seen. It, it made me feel the way that like when I saw Toy Story in the theater and I became immediately obsessed with like having Toy Story toys and then obviously Monsters, Inc. and Incredibles and so on and so forth, that this could be that for like younger kids who are seeing this for the first time um, and kind of what it did for Andy and that whole thing. Like, I, I just, I don't know, the, it, it hit me in a way that I was expecting everybody to come out of this thinking it was fucking awesome. And then I've just seen super mixed. Like, some people love it. Some people think it's meh. Some people hate it. Like, I just, to me, I thought I thought it was really incredible. So, uh I'm looking forward to watching it again. And if again, I'm I'm weird about this. I say it a lot, but if you like 3D, please go see it in 3D cuz the 3D was really fucking cool. Like it it deserved. This was the first movie since the pandemic where I would say this deserves to be watched in 3D. Um so that's my rant. Uh Boatman, go ahead. Yeah, uh for me this just didn't work. Like I'll I'll get I'll I'll respond to your buzz point for a second because to be honest that was not like my biggest problem with the movie, uh, but it was a problem for me of that I felt like there were a lot of direct references that felt winky to me the the most obnoxious one was you're mocking me aren't you like we had to do that line like there were just a few but like it wasn't that wouldn't have I a lot of movies do the kind of callbacky stuff like that so like that's not a big deal. My problem is that there are things like that that is like, okay, so it goes with the Toy Story canon of, oh, that's something you would say. And then there are certain things that happen. I don't want to specifically say yeah, I, yeah, that I, I we break the Toy Story canon. And that's, that's, that's what frustrates me is that if it's really the toy, then why would the toy in some ways go with the grain in some ways go against the grain. So like that frustrated me. That wasn't my biggest problem with the movie. Cause at the end of the day, if I liked the movie around that, I could ignore that. Uh, for me, I I'm going to put this up front right now. Socks, innocent socks, innocent socks is amazing. I bought uh, you five minutes is seriously made me laugh when he says that like turns around i've bought you five minutes like so deadpan i seriously have not laughed that hard like i fucking love that character i love socks so much peter stone not a great pixar director always hits it when he does a voice always a great voice and this is probably his best voice performance he's i i love socks uh i socks socks innocent i just for me i just didn't really like i don't besides socks i don't really like any of the new characters this buzz only kind of sort of feels like buzz and i just don't for some reason it doesn't really hit for me 
like that. Um, I thought Chris Evans did a fine job. He wasn't really a problem for me. Um, and I, I just feel like the movie just feels very convoluted and I don't really care about what's happening. And then I really got ticked off about a thing that they reveal in the, I really didn't like a certain reveal. Can you message uh, me? Cause I have no idea what you're talking about. You said that in your review, but the, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I thought, I, I know you're talking. Are you talking about the thing that doesn't match up with the rest of the franchise? Yes, but I didn't okay. get mad about it because it doesn't match up. I just don't like it within the movie. In the context of the movie. That's fair. I don't okay. like it within the context of the movie. It feels just... I I just... Again, the movie just kind of feels like a mess for me, and there's not very much I enjoyed beyond socks. And actually, no, I'll say this. I also did really like the themes and messages of the movie. Like, I really liked some of the ideas and themes at play. It's just, to me, it was like good themes and wrapped around a story that I didn't really care about. Garth, have you had a chance to see this? I haven't seen it yet, but it's uh, Pixar with Chris Evans, so I'll definitely see it at some point. Uh, and I've, I've heard, you know, mixed things where some people love it, some people hate it. So we'll see how I feel. Uh, I had one friend who loved socks so much. I was like, uh, oh, maybe I'll surprise him and buy him a socks gift. And there are various models out there for like around 30 bucks. And then I saw one for 400, this like big life size with carrot And I was like, Damn. I think uh, I'm like Nazario, I think Nazario sent me that an image yeah. of that exact toy. Yeah. yeah, and I'm like, damn, they better walk around and talk for that price. Uh <clears throat> but um for for the critics who are like, well, why doesn't he sound like Tim Allen? Uh there are Captain America talking dolls that don't sound like Chris Evans. It's just as simple as that, is that it's you don't get the same voice actor for the toy that's in the movies sometimes. Uh, that explains that. But my one question, because I haven't seen this yet, is that in uh, his, Andy's world, was this... Uh, so what What year did he see this? Because He it saw was, it in 1995. So it's a 95 movie. So is this a live action? No. From what I understand, no. It's a, They've said it's like a movie from... He saw it in 95, but it's like a he saw it on VHS in like the eighties, or like. But he then did, there's a picture of him watching it in the theater. Like it doesn't. Yeah, no, like I, I don't. The movies from 1986, so it feels like they're very. Where did you read? But that? it looks like it was made 2022. <laughs> I will find it. That's that's yeah, that I, was my question. Was so from his perspective, is this a live action or a CGI movie? From from my, from my understanding of the film in the movie and the context of the rest of the franchise, this is a movie that came out. He went and saw it in the theaters because why else would there be 7,000 Buzz Lightyear toys at Al's Toy Barn? Like that's... No, no, that's no. I know that. I'm just asking. Yeah. Uh, the, the director, uh, was the director right movie. here 
says, Andy received Buzz Lightyear in 1995. The movie is not specified as from 1995. The movie, I actually, I imagine, is actually from 1986, maybe 1985, so it's a little earlier. He saw the movie on VHS a lot, and then after that movie, maybe there were other movies, but then there was a TV show like Ghostbusters, you know, then the real Ghostbusters, and then the real Ghostbusters had their own toy line with Kenner. And then there was a rep screening of it in 1995. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, it looks like advanced CGI, so I don't know if it's supposed to be live it, action. Or it doesn't it, make any sense. Don't, don't, don't think about it. I, I, yeah, that that that's too that's too much down the rabbit hole. Uh, Scott, you saw this. Yeah. Um, first of all, Tim, you don't need to apologize for liking it. I'm glad that you liked it. Um, I didn't enjoy it. Uh, unfortunately. <laughs> and I, I love all the Toy Story movies. I don't care about the Toy Story canon or whatever. Um, I just didn't think this was a very good movie. I didn't think it had the heart and soul that Toy Story, that the Toy Story movies normally have. Um, I didn't even like Socks that much because um, for a couple of reasons. One, uh, kind of what Garth was bringing up, it seemed like that was just, he's just a character to sell merch. Um, but number two, just okay. Disney movies nowadays, you want to talk about Marvel, you want to talk about whatever. There are too many jokes in these movies, and there were way too many jokes in this movie. Like 80% of the dialogue in this movie was just wisecracks. And I just sometimes I just want to let the emotional moment land. And also, I don't think the jokes are that funny, but I also have a very bad sense of humor. So uh, that's probably just me. Um, but anyway, I just thought there was way too much oversaturation of humor in this. What few emotional moments that they're, they tried to go for didn't really land. I thought the movie looks really nice. I think Chris Evans did a good job. I didn't have a problem with that. But otherwise, I thought it was just kind of generic and disappointing that this was the one Pixar put back in theaters when I think all of the last three or four Pixar movies I would have really loved to see in theater. Well, I guess last three um, I would have loved to see in theaters. They all um, have been there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm not saying Lightyear shouldn't have been there. I'm just saying that this was the first oh, one that we got when yeah, you know, no, ultimately I, I felt like Luca, Turning Red, and Soul were all better movies. So They all deserve to be there, yeah. Uh, Kirk, have you gotten a chance to see this yet? Or I haven't seen it yet. I mean, I'm I'm interested. Like the the trailer, so they put Bowie in the trailer. Yeah, Bowie in the trailer. That's like a cheat. <laughs> not in the movie though. That just that's just that's not fair. But um, no, I I mean, it, I I don't know if I'll see it in the theaters. I might just end up waiting until it's on Disney Plus. Um, I'm not, you know, I don't need to rush out and see it. I'm just enjoying so much more the discourse around it and the confusion it's calling. Just like just like the conversation we just had. And I'm sure yeah. you've all seen on Twitter that that movie theater had to put up a disclaimer. That is the, the that wall of text explaining the story what the story is. You have no idea how infuriating that is to me as a theater manager. <laughs> like, holy shit! But just that stuff is so much fun, um, and it's just making me laugh. I don't know if I'll enjoy the movie as much as I like that. Um, as far as like Toy Story canon goes, if they're done making actual Toy Story movies for real, I'm fine with this. But I really would hate to see like spot off franchises like this happen and they go back to Toy Story and now Toy Story is beholden to whatever happens in these movies. Because the last thing I want to see is like what's going on online now with like the Obi-Wan discourse and like, oh, look how this, you know, this doesn't line up and that doesn't match up and this happened. But then how did this work? I don't want to see that with Toy Story. Um, I think what we know, you know, we know about Woody. We've seen he, we know he had a TV show. He was a big thing. We didn't need a whole thing on it. Um, so I'd rather, if, like I said, if the Toy Story canon in the movie itself is closed, I'm fine with this. 
Um, I just don't want to see the mess would come if they make more Toy Story movies now. No, that's a really good point. I like didn't even think about Woody's Roundup like in the slightest, but that's a very good comparison. Uh, okay. Um, we have been talking a lot, so <laughs> let's move on uh, to our least favorite movie, movie to see tonight. Yeah, Bowman, what is your least favorite movie you logged this week? Well, uh, it was Lightyear, but we just talked about that, so I, I feel bad because I'm going to switch gears from Lightyear to another movie Tim really likes. God damn uh, it. What is it? It's Malignant. Oh, what? I, I, I like this movie <laughs> fine. You're you're gonna hurt Scott more than me. That's fair. I for whatever reason I remember you like really digging. Oh, it. I really like it, but not to the point where you're yeah. offend me. Yeah, it's not a it's not a boatman movie, and it is not a movie I would have watched on my own accord. I will say that. Um, I had to watch this for a little league called Antle. Uh, so yeah. Uh. This it's just not a boatman movie. It's not bad. I actually stand by this movie is a well-made film. I just don't like it. Like it, it's it's not for me. Uh, I'm I'm. It's just I didn't really connect with the characters. I didn't. It's it's very much a very like showy B movie '80s horror homage, and I get that's what it's trying to be, but I don't like what it's trying to be. Like it's a that that's the best way to put it. It is a movie that is exactly what it's trying to be. I just don't like what it's trying to be. Uh, yeah, this is a movie. <laughs> We've talked about it a lot. This is uh, this has been brought up a few times on the show, I think. And uh, I dig this movie. I love I love James Wan, and uh, honestly, I the only thing that he's done that I really don't like is I don't love the Insidious movies, but everything else that he's done, I I find something fun in it. And uh, I really like this one. The twist in this movie is fucking amazing. It's so stupid, but so awesome. Uh, yeah, no, you're never going to... If someone comes to me and is like, didn't love Malignant. Okay, like, trust me, you're good. I don't, I don't, that doesn't bother me. Uh, but I have a really fun time with it. Uh, it's like the perfect, like, like Juan knows the movie he's making. Like from the get-go. The movie opens, it's like raining and there's like lightning and the giant like fucking insane. Seattle. Like it, it's just it's he knows the movie that he's making the whole time. Uh and it's super fun, but also like just absolutely ridiculous in all the best ways. So yeah. Uh Garth, have you seen this? Uh not yet. Um, I've seen quite a few James Wan movies and uh uh horror really isn't my thing uh and my like my favorite of his movies is aquaman so that's that's where my tastes go uh but uh but um the funny thing is is that i was part i was part of a watch along but i wasn't able to watch it so i was just watching reactions um <laughs> and i gotta tell you the, the reactions got me interested so I should see it someday because some of the show, you know, some of the like, oh, moments, you know, I was like, oh, oh, whatever. So I'll, I'll watch it someday. Uh, Scott, go ahead. Yeah, there are some of those moments. Um, I'm not going to go on too long because I've talked about this movie before. It was in my top 10 for last year. I absolutely loved it. And I'm not even that big of a James Wan fan. I just thought this was so fun. I loved watching him cut loose and just basically do whatever he wanted with the camera. Like you said, the whole atmosphere and world he creates is great. Um, it's just like absolutely 
fun as hell. Like from the first scene where, you know, you have the like doctor close up on the doctor as the pulsing music is going and it's, it's time we cut out the cancer and then like hard cut to the opening credits, which are just like weird surgery images and like this blaring <laughs> techno metal music going on in the background. I'm like, let's freaking go. Um, and it just, it never lets up for the rest of the movie. So uh, yeah, I understand it's not for everyone, but I had an absolute blast with it. And I honestly want to go watch it again right now. <laughs> uh, Kirk. Uh, yeah. I've seen, I had a lot of fun with it. Um, I like when a director takes the genre uh, and like, especially like, kind of like a less, less respected genre and elevates it by doing something like this. And, but like Bowman said, if you're not on board with the movie's doing, it's, it's, there's nothing that can do to win you over. Um, but yeah, that third, that, that third act reveal was just so bonkers. It's, and, you know, I'm just sitting like, my mouth was just like wide open the whole time. And like, I don't, I wouldn't go back and say like, it's like perfectly made or like, you know, it's, it's like just a, a masterclass of filmmaking, but it's fun to watch. Okay. Uh, Garth, let's go to you. What's your least favorite this week? Well, my least favorite was almost another Joseph Kaczynski-directed movie starring Miles Teller uh, with Spiderhead at two stars, but there's actually a movie I gave one and a half stars to, and that's Jurassic World Dominion. Uh, <laughs> this just did not work Sorry, for Jeff. me. It was a mess. <laughs> uh it i just it, it, it you know it was nice seeing the old cast back but they were un, underused and quite frankly a lot of their roles were like you could have taken them out and put anyone else in there they they didn't you know there was nothing specific to their characters they were just random random people could have been thrown in those roles um and the the weird thing is, you know, uh, they had some callbacks to the other movies, like the stupid idea of like, oh, here's this special thing where we've trained these dinosaurs and you point a laser at someone and the dinosaur will attack. Uh, and it's like, well, that's why not just shoot them? You're aiming something at them. And just, you know. <laughs> uh, but uh, so so uh, Dykin Lachman as the as this like james bond spy type woman who's a dinosaur smuggler and she just keeps pointing her laser pointer at people and like oh a dinosaur shows up to attack them it's like uh uh and bd wong's character showing up being like i've done so much wrong for decades and now i'm gonna try and do right and it's like dude you know you know you're 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 like i mean he's like a joseph mengele or something and he's trying to be like now i'm gonna try and be a good guy uh that didn't work for me at all uh the one the one bright spot of this movie for me was uh dewanda wise uh i was unfamiliar i don't recall seeing her or anything else and i was blown away by her and i think marvel should jump on signing her up to be aurora storm for any future x-men property i think she'd be a great storm uh but that's about it uh and uh a lot of the plot points i was like why are you getting away from the dinosaurs why are you doing this storyline and that storyline and why do they have earpieces and they're being like spies and it kind of was like the fast and furious going to space for me it was that kind of thing um so I, I I wasn't on the show last week. I think Kirk brought it up as his worst, right? Mm -hmm. 
I, so I, last night I actually I went on the letterbox to update it from last week's show because it had dawned on me that I never did that in the middle of the week. Uh, so I saw that it was brought up and I was like, man, glad I didn't have to defend myself on Jurassic World Dominion. But here we are. Thanks, Garth. Uh, no, so uh, I really like the movie. Um, it, it's one of those, again, where like anybody tells me they don't like this movie. I understand. Totally get it. Uh, I just had a lot of fun. Um, the one thing I don't, the, the one complaint I don't really get is that, pe- that everyone being like, they get away from the dinosaurs and blah, blah, blah. There was a shit ton of dinosaur action in this movie and that, I, that it was really fun. Maggie and I had a fucking blast. We were sitting there like cheering and gra- like, oh my God. Like it was just like, we had so much fun. I've I've gone in and because I, I work at the theater, so I've gone in and watched that end fight like five or six times at this point. Thought it was super cool. Uh, we're gonna go see it again later this week. Actually, my niece uh, really likes the Jurassic movies, and we've taken her to see all of them. So we're gonna go take her to see it. Um, and I just it's it's one of those movies where it's like again, like I said, if somebody tells me like this was bad. Yeah, it was, but I loved it. I loved every minute of it. Thought it was so much fun. I had so much fun at the theater watching it. Um, I think it's uh, better than Fallen Kingdom, not as good as Jurassic World, and obviously it doesn't even compare to the original, but uh, I I, I had a lot of fun watching it. Uh, So, yeah, uh, that's my take. Uh, Boatman, have you seen this yet? I have not. Um, I'm not, I don't like the other two Jurassic World movies, so I don't know how much this one's going to change my mind. It won't. (laughs) Uh, Scott. Haven't seen it. Don't want to see it. Um, very brief anecdote though. Last week I went to a concert. Um, I saw Jason Isbell, Sheryl Crow and Waxahachie. And when Sheryl Crow was on stage, she was doing a little bit of banter in between songs as you do, you know, and she said that her band had went to, she and her band had went to see Jurassic World like the night before, cause they had a day off and she goes, uh, I'm not going to give it a full thumbs down, but, uh, Let's just say the 33% Rotten Tomatoes score might have been accurate. Um, so I feel like if if even Cheryl Crow, like trying to be diplomatic, can't say anything good about the movie, it's probably not that worth seeing. Uh, and Kirk, hey, she just wants to soak up the sun. Yeah. yeah. Um, Tim and I were called the other night, and you know, we were talking about this, and I said, you know, Tim and I just have different things we went out of a Jurassic Park movie. That's okay. Yeah. Um, but going to uh, what Gar said about the original characters. Um, my whole problem with the Jurassic World franchise in general, going back to the first one, like watching the first one, see that park open, my thought the whole time is, where's Ian Malcolm? Where's Alan Grant? Where's Ellie Sattler? They would be on CNN 24 hours a day saying, hey, don't do this because people are 1,000% definitely going to die. And they would be like rallied against this. And like, that's that's a Jurassic World I wanted to see was them running from the Jurassic World people trying to take them out and silence them so they could open the park. I think that'd be such a better movie. But um, so they finally brought them back and they were like kind of neutered, especially in Malcolm. Like just the fact that like, yeah. like I mean, he had a couple side comments, but like this wasn't the, you know, uh, in Malcolm from the, you know, the, the dinner table scene in Jurassic Park. Like he was not doing the Ian Malcolm thing um, that, that, you know, that I wanted to see finally from these characters. Like I wanted some common sense finally. 
and I didn't get it from them. That was, that was one of the things that disappointed me about this movie. All right. Uh, Scott, your least favorite. Um, so I've been doing a little Batman watch along, watching, trying to watch all the Batman movies. Um, and I mainly decided to do it because I haven't seen the, I hadn't seen the late 80s and 90s ones in probably, you know, nine, 10 years. It's been a long time. Um, and uh, for me, there's a clear worst one of those movies. Um, and apologies to Coho, but uh, Batman Forever stinks. Uh, that movie is very bad. Um, and the problem is that it tries to go, I mean, parts of it are like super campy, like what Joel Schumacher wanted to make, but then other parts are not. And the main problem, I think Val Kilmer is a huge problem with this movie. I think he's the worst Batman. I think he's the worst Bruce. He is asleep in this movie. Like he is asleep in this movie. And, um, he's on just on a completely different wavelength from, um, what the tone of the movie is trying to be. I mean, there's literally a moment that like is, I feel like it's just like a memed thing about, you know, Batman at this point, but like they put this in the movie where he's in Chase Meridian's office or whatever, and they're having a conversation about something completely different. And all of a sudden he just stops and stares out the window and goes, my parents were murdered when I was just a little kid. Um, just like out of nowhere. I'm like, what are we doing? Um, well, Tommy Jones is like all all over the place. I don't think he's as bad as some people say, because again, at least I think he knows what movie he's in. Jim Carrey, again, he knows what movie he's in, but like, I, I'm not a fan of Jim Carrey and this is just him doing the thing which made him millions and millions and millions of dollars in the 90s, but I just don't enjoy it that much. Um, Chris O'Donnell's pretty bad. Like, he also is is very wooden. I, bet, I, I would watch Batman and Robin 10 times over this. Like, um, Batman and Robin, everyone at least got on the same page for. Uh, this movie is just like stuck in the middle. It's yeah, it, it's it's really rough. Um, I I can't think of much good to say about it if I'm being honest. But yeah, the worst thing to me was Val Kilmer just being really really stale. You're telling me you didn't love it when Bruce Wayne stands up in the middle of a circus and yells, "Harvey, I'm, I'm Batman." <laughs> Are you telling me you didn't love that scene? Val Kilmer's commitment. No, this movie's ass. Coho saying this is the best of the original four. Coho, I love you. You're dumb. Uh, this is a bad, bad, bad movie. Uh, the, on the only moments I do like are like some of the camp, like early in the first scene or whatever, the guy who's like, oh no, boiling acid. <laughs> like, yeah, boiling acid. <laughs> And then later when he comes into the party or whatever, and there's the one guest who's just like, Batman, yeah! <laughs> that's that's the meme, up. yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kirk, what's your take on this one? Um, it's not good. Um, to say it's better than Batman and Robin, I think is kind of crazy. Um, I think to me it's like the same thing with the first two. is like, you know, you had just the right amount of Burton in the first one. And then he goes way too Burton in the second one. This one, Schumacher's got a little bit of himself in it. And then he goes way too over the top with the next one. Disagree. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't think – I mean, Kilmer's bad. I don't think he's as bad as Clooney. Um, I think Clooney's worse. Um, I think this, I think this movie just has everything that – I mean, Batman and Robin is everything this movie is just, like, amplified a million times. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely not a good movie. Oh, I guess we're going to me. I was like, Tim's gone. I'll take the lead. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, I 
I don't hate this as much as some people do, but I don't think it's a good movie. Uh, I, I actually do really like Jim Carrey. I think Jim Carrey's a lot of fun in this. Uh, so I like that. I, I agree with Kirk's assessment that like this doesn't go full Schumacher unlike Batman and Robin, which is just... I think my problem with Batman and Robin is I just don't think... I think Batman Forever is like funny, whereas Batman and Robin isn't funny. Like Batman and Robin is trying... <laughs> is a movie that's trying to be a comedy and it's not funny. Whereas I actually think Batman forever is funny. Darth, what do you think? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So this is one of my lowest rated Batman movies. Uh, I'd say I like it just barely better than Batman and Robin. Um, for me, my main issue with it was the replacement of Billy Dee Williams as Harvey Dent with Tommy Jones. I really would have liked to have seen Billy Dee Williams as Two-Face and seen what he, he could have done with the role. Um, he, he wouldn't have fit in with this format, maybe, but I still wanted to see him be Two-Face, um, which he finally got to do in an animated movie. Um, but uh, anyways... Uh, yeah, it's definitely Joel Schumacher is not for me. You know, I've, I've seen most of his movies and uh, not my not my cup of tea. Um, and uh, my question for Scott is: In your watching of Batman movies, have you hit Batman sixty six yet? Uh, no, I haven't gone back and watched it, but I kind of want to after watching Batman and Robin and not having a terrible time with it because I know it's like kind of an homage. So we'll yeah. see. I might go back at the end and watch uh, watch it. Yeah, it's, Chris, it's Chris O'Donnell's also awful. We should bring that up. As yeah. Well. yeah, yeah, I did. I did say that. Yeah, he's the worst. And and even though it's canon, they never like it's obviously not a big deal that Harvey Dent is now a different race than he was. And I know. Batman. <laughs> I think I think Billy D would have been a good two face in the yeah. Burton Batman's. In the Burton, that's, yeah. that's what I. That's, yeah, he yeah. wouldn't have fit in well, but I still wanted to see him as two. Yeah. All right, uh, Kirk. Let's move over to you. Um, I didn't watch anything really terrible this week. Um, I'm going to go with the biggest disappointment, um, and as a movie called Murder Inc. from 1960, um, mm -hmm. directed by uh, Stuart Rosenberg, who did. Uh, Cool Hand Luke, a lot of other movies, so pedigree there. Um, basically, it's a it's about a real life organization that I've always ha had kind of a morbid fascination with, uh, called Murder Inc. Back in the twenties uh, and thirties, uh, when you know organized crime was getting really organized, established commission, everything. Um, they established this group called Murder Inc., which is kind of like their official hit squad. And this is if you wanted to make a hit, you went to the commission. They approved it, and these were the guys who carried it out. And I always thought that would make an awesome movie. Um, they made this, and it really doesn't focus on um, the murder ink stuff. Is kind of on the periphery. Uh, it focuses on uh, one of the hitman's friends and his wife, and just how they kind of get mixed up into it. Um, and you know me, I just want to see the mafia stuff. Uh, Peter Folk's really good in it. He play this is like one of his first movies. Uh, he plays a hitman. Uh, Kid Twist, it's, it's a real person, uh, was a real person, also a really interesting character. Uh, and he plays, it's, like, it's almost like a Joe Pesci type where he's real, uh, you know, he's real friendly and charismatic, but he can turn on a dime and get real violent and deadly. Uh, so he's fun to watch. Um, 
so but other than that the movie is just kind of dull and like i said it's just kind of like a like a late 50s early 60s melodrama which i thought was just a waste of material um so you know come for peter folk uh but stay for peter folk too because he's really the only thing good day yeah i had never heard of this until you logged it so uh probably not gonna watch it anytime soon bowman uh yeah i've actually had this on my radar i haven't seen it but i've heard like good things um all right garth uh yeah i haven't seen it in many years but i i i do recall when i did see it i liked it uh i'm a huge peter falk fan uh from colombo and other stuff uh wings of desire etc uh but uh you know it, it was something i got into because I'm a big fan of the uh, Parker novels uh, about a gangster, and it kind of gets into murdering stuff. Um, so, like Kirk, uh, the real story of the murdering uh, is intriguing to me. So, I think that's probably why I might have liked it. Um, but I haven't, like I said, I haven't seen it in probably decades now. So, uh, maybe I'll revisit it. Scott, have you seen this? No, I haven't even heard of it. All right, fair enough. Uh, okay, so I believe we are to me, and I just realized that I didn't pick something. Uh, <laughs> but I, I watched something today, and so that's probably I'm just I'm just double checking real quick that uh, there's nothing else that I watched something today that just pissed me off. But I just want to make sure there's nothing else that I watched that made me even more upset. Uh, no, I think we're gonna go with this. This is by far the lowest thing I've rated uh so um i'm a if most i feel like i talk about it a little bit but i play a lot of video games uh so video game movies kind of hurt my soul uh today i had the extreme pleasure of watching 2005's doom <laughs> uh, i love these games uh especially the new ones the 2016 and then the 2020 game doom eternal big fan uh, if you ask uh, Cody Newberry what Tim did while he was drunk during COVID, it was play Doom uh, so and play Fandom. Uh, so uh, I'm a big fan of the source material, and this just, like, holy shit was the worst thing. Just seeing, like, 2005 Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who I like a lot nowadays, but then, like, and I also watched Scorpion King recently, so just, like, his early shit is bad where he's just like looking into the camera going we have jet the fucking gun and so we can fuck he's just saying fuck like 18 <laughs> times in a sentence and i'm like bro calm down you are not timbercala when you are like intoxicated like take a breather you don't need to say the f word so many times uh it also just like completely goes against a lot of like the source material in the sense of like like the game takes place on mars and so they're like oh it takes place on Mars, so clearly this is good enough. Like, we're good, right? Like, you don't need anything else? We, Hey, but we said that thing from the game. We, we said it, so you should be happy. No, I'm not. It's terrible. It's all... <laughs> Rosamund Pike is doing a weird thing. I don't fucking know. She's terrible in this. Carl Urban is bad. I just... I was miserable, like, the whole time. The whole time. I was not having a good time. Uh, Bowman. Never seen it. Don't plan on it. Garth. Uh, yeah, this is an awful, awful movie. Uh, you know, it's it's one of the movies that gives the video game movies a bad name. 
and remind me who the main villain was. I'm I'm blanking on his name. I um, I couldn't even tell you. <laughs> I watched it today. I couldn't even tell you. But I just remember being like, oh him. Uh, but uh, I don't remember now who it was. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's like The Rock was bad. Everyone was bad. It, bad special effects you know oh look it's the bfg aren't you happy to see you know yeah. yeah no it was one of those like let's show you this from the game let's show you that from the game and and you'll be happy and i was not happy <laughs> uh scott have you seen this i watched like 15 minutes of it on tv one time and it's the dumb part where they're doing like first person action and i was like yeah, this is great. This is what everyone loves watching your friend play a video game. That's what you know, wonderful viewing experience right there. So no, I'm not ever gonna watch this. this it was stupid. Twitch before Twitch. Yeah. Kirk. I have not seen it, um, but I didn't realize you hadn't given your least favorite yet. So I thought we were on the biopics. So I spent a good twenty <laughs> seconds trying to figure out who Doom was about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. It's about oh. Dr. Doom. Yep, yep, <laughs> Dr. Doom biopic. Uh, all right, so uh, now we can officially move on to biopics. So, um, because I, that was everybody, right? Yep. All right, so uh, I'm going to go first. Uh, I'm going to do uh, the thing that's probably, well, I don't think it'll probably make Boatman mad. I don't fucking know. Um, the social network, is this making Boatman upset? Oh. Are you going to? Yes. No, because now I get more choices. Perfect. Uh, the Social Network. Uh, yeah, this this was immediately the first one I thought of. Uh, I love this movie. Um, this is one of my favorite movies of all time. I've said many times I don't have a top 100. I could barely tell you what my top five are. Like I struggle with that uh, uh, ranking my favorite movies. But if I had to put money on it, I would say this is in my top 20. Uh, I really, really enjoy this film. I love all of the performances. Um, I think the score is incredible. It looks incredible. Just every single performance is amazing. Andrew Garfield, I think, is the best performance um, in the movie. But I, I just, I love this thing from beginning to end. This is one of those weird ones where, like, I didn't know how much I loved it until I watched it, like, back to back pretty close like within a, like a couple months i was like oh no i really i really like this movie <laughs> um it just came out on 4k blu-ray and it's only available in like the columbia pictures like 4k classics box set that's like 200 bucks you know i bought that uh so i watched it it also had taxi driver in it okay so i'm in the clear uh so 200 uh, bucks for two movies <laughs> Well, I mean, the other one, Anatomy of a Murder was good. I didn't okay. like, I didn't I like Stripes, uh, but it also has oh. Oliver and um, Sense and Sensibility. So, oh, great movie! Not not a terrible box set, but uh, no, love this. Um, like I said, I think Andrew Garfield is is the best in this movie. The 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 scene that always, for some reason, sticks out in my brain isn't the big like uh, I'm coming back for everything, asshole. Like that's a fucking amazing scene uh but to me my one of my random favorite moments from this movie is when um eduardo comes to the house in uh california 
<laughs> for the first time and it's like raining and he comes in he's like where's mark where's mark they, they go back in that hallway and they're like talking about like why is timberlake here like why is he here and they're yelling at each other like i don't know why <laughs> like andrew garfield yelling like i'm the cfo it's just like burned into my brain permanently uh i i just think it's 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 my favorite fincher movie um and i just think it's it's truly incredible um and i i'm of the camp where i i do not want to ever see a sequel to this like please i don't care i don't care if sorkin's writing it and fincher's direct like i do i don't want no stop just leave it where it is uh i think it's a pretty perfect film from beginning to end uh bowman i know you love this what do you what do you think yeah this is my second favorite movie of all time i love this yeah I, uh, I did not know that yeah number two uh yeah, I, I love this film. It used to be three, and like just recently, like the last update of my top 100, it moved up to number two. Anyway, uh, yeah, I love this movie. Like, one of my all-time favorite scenes is the opening bar breakup. I love the opening bar scene. Like, that's that's just one of my all-time favorite scenes. Um, I, I There's just so much in this movie that is just fantastic. Like, I think Eisenberg is, is so good here. I think that uh, Garfield's great. I, I love the Eisen, like one of Eisenberg's big scenes is like the for good reason. You have part of my attention. You have the minimal amount. Like that's such a fantastic scene. The editing in this movie is great. I love that this movie like has a, a scene that if we're being honest, not super necessary. But it's awesome is the Winklevoss rowing scene. Very necessary. Oh. <laughs> necessary. It's a total flex. <laughs> yeah. But like that, that's such a fun scene. That's such a like that's and it's such a well done scene. It feels like nothing else in the movie, if we're being honest. Like with that in the Hall of the Mountain King, like great movie. Let's really close. Uh, is that what he says? Let's gut the fucking nerd. I feel like that's what he says. <laughs> it's actually let's kill the friggin' nerd. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, he says friggin', not fucking. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is people 13. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Garth, social network. Yeah. Hey, only Garfield is the only one who gets to say that's true. Oh, yeah, the yeah. F bomb. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, yeah, this was actually my number one pick. Uh, so good thing you went first and you got it. Uh, I, you know, uh, so for me, I love this, uh, you know, it deserved the Oscars and, uh, deserved more Oscars, I think. But, uh, for me, the, the best Oscar, I'm a huge Nine Inch Nails fan. Uh, so Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, uh, that, you know, getting the Oscar for the soundtrack, uh, well-deserved, um, they, they do bring in soundtracks, you know, soul and, and, you know girl with the dragon tattoo etc uh and you know it, the music helped helped with the mood of the movie and the, you know the fact that i'm a boston boy and it's all local stuff and they filmed a lot locally uh you know that that helps to it in fact one scene the uh john harvard statue scene uh was not filmed in cambridge that was actually filmed at phillips academy andover outside a building i used to work in so uh they built a fake statue and put it in our courtyard. And, uh, so that was filmed in Andover, not Cambridge. But uh, it's it's a well-done movie. And, 
you know, uh, I, as Tim said, don't don't do a sequel. Just leave it be. So, Scott, what's your take? Yeah, it's this is number twenty one on my top one hundred. Um, I think this movie's incredible. I've said it before, even though it's not super accurate to the actual facts of what happened. I think time has proven that it was a very true story in its own way um, about the way we communicate with each other and what Facebook could and did become. Um, I think it was really smart about that. It's also like one of my most quoted movies, probably just my own life. Like I love to say, uh, well, now the shoe is on the other table, which is turned. And um, the other one is, um, well, I guess this would be the first time that someone's lied under oath. Uh, You know, that's just like a great joke format right there. So um, yeah, it's, uh, it's an incredible masterpiece of a movie. Kirk. Um, I've talked about this a lot. Um, I don't like this movie as much as a lot of people do, especially a lot of people in this community. Uh, I've It's grown on me more as I've watched it. Um, but you know, Eisenberg's not my guy. I've talked about that before, too. Um, Garfield's good. I think Ar- Army Hammer is always my favorite in this movie. He's, he's as, really as a He's so good. I just love it. You know, at 6'5", 220, there's two of me. I just, and I just, he plays the characters so different. Um, but I just love the fact, like the movie is, uh, you know, Eisenberg versus Garfield. And I just love them as like the two sad sacks in the background who don't have a chance. Like, you know, Garfield could hang with them, but these two are just lost in the mix. And it's so much fun to watch them just kind of flounder through it. Um, and, uh, but yeah, it's like I said, I, I like it more than I used to, but I definitely don't love it as much as the rest of you guys do. All right. Uh, Bowman, I, I have a guess as to what your first pick is going to be. Let's see if I'm right. Okay. Uh, I feel like if you know me, this is not an out of the ballpark pick. Uh, it's my favorite Spielberg movie. It's catch me if you can. Wow. That was not what I was going for, but cool. I'm curious as to what you thought my first pick was going to be, but okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm going with catch me if you can biopic about Frank Abagnale Jr. Uh, yeah. I really love this movie. I love the way that this movie positions you where we're both we're rooting for both DiCaprio and Hanks, but obviously they can't both achieve their goals because they have opposing goals. And I always love movies like that. Uh, DiCaprio is so good in this. Uh, the way he's able to just like slide in to so many different uh you know, professions. I, I think he's great. Hanks is really good here. Obviously, I love walking in this. Uh, yeah, I, I love I love so many scenes in this movie. I love how uh, Hanks figures out that DiCaprio is a kid. That's a great scene. Uh, they, this movie is just fantastic. Uh, Garth, what do you think about this movie? I really love it. It's one of my favorite Spielbergs. Uh, it's it's you know got everything going for it. It's got humor, it's a little action, uh, you know, intrigue. Uh, great great actors and great roles. Um, and you know the fact that it's based on a true story actually helps w- with the appeal for me because I'm like, oh, that that was cool stuff that guy pulled up, and. The fact that you know he's so good at it that later they like are like so teach our agents like how you did this stuff so we know how to catch people doing this, this stuff 
Um, and uh, as a kid, I, I did bad stuff and did some forgeries and stuff, but nothing like this. Uh, you know, I got a, I got a fake driver's license when I was a kid because I uh, took my birth certificate and changed the 68 to a 63. And so when I got my driver's license, I was suddenly uh, 21, not 16. Uh, so I did sneaky stuff like that, but nothing to the extent of what he did. And uh, it's, it's a well-made movie, and I love it. Scott. Yeah, I haven't seen this in a long time, but I want to rewatch it because it gets talked about, obviously, a lot in the community. I mean, I really enjoyed it at the time. You know, Spielberg rarely goes wrong. Um, and there are, you know, a couple of movies from him that could be picked. So, um, yeah, great choice. Uh, I don't have any problem with it getting picked. I, I really want to rewatch the movie. Kirk. This is another one. I like it. I don't love it. Um, I, you know, I don't have anything bad to say about it. It just, just doesn't hit that hard with me, but it does for a lot of people. I understand why it does. Uh, like Boatman said, I like those movies where you have you, you, two people on complete opposite ends and you're rooting for both of them. And I also love movies where people are conflicted against each other, but also through that, they make a connection because like they form an understanding that nobody else does. Um, that's probably my favorite thing about this movie is the relationship between the two of them. Yeah, this was uh, the movie of the month back in uh, when that would have been <laughs> like September, August last year. Uh, a while ago. What's that? This is a while ago. Yeah, yeah it was a while ago. It was like a, over about a year ago, maybe. Um, I lo- I love this movie. This is my favorite Steven Spielberg movie. Uh, and I yeah, it, it, it is. I I think it's fantastic. I love Hanks. Uh, especially in this, I think he's so good. Uh, the scene where he calls Frank on Christmas and he's like, You're alone, you called me because you got no one else to talk to, and he's just like toying with him. Like, I think it's fucking great. Um, yeah, no, I, I mean, you guys kind of said it all. I, I, I agree with Kirk big time that I just I, I didn't know that that was something I loved until Kirk kind of put it into words of like the opposing forces then coming together and creating a, a good relationship there. Like I, I, I love that. Um, so yeah, I'm a big fan of this movie. Like I said, it's my favorite Spielberg. I haven't seen every Spielberg movie, but I've seen all of the big ones. And uh, yeah, honestly, it's like this, then Jaws and Raiders. And uh, I, I think that uh, this is just exceptional and Walken is, really really good in it um but yeah leo and hanks are just on another level uh in this one so uh okay we're gonna move on to garth garth what is your first pick uh well my first pick was social network so i'll go with my next (laughs) one and uh that's a movie i saw when i was a kid in the 70s and it was very prevalent uh to the news at the time uh it's all the president's men uh about the watergate scandal and uh woodward and bernstein uncovering everything uh and i think it's a brilliantly made movie nominated for eight academy awards one for uh and it's just brilliant cast all around and uh the writing by william goldman is spot on uh you know i don't know if it's 100 percent factual it could be you know, playing with stuff. Uh, obviously, uh, 
Dustin Hoffman and Robert Redford don't look like Woodburn and Bernstein, but they play the roles great. Uh, and all this, the intrigue with uh, Deep Throat and everything and, you know, their confidential informant and uh, everything going on with that was brilliant. And it's just four years after the real thing happened. So they like really, you know, were in the, in the time mode. Uh, it, you know, it was really at, at the times. Uh, it wasn't like it was made like a decade or 20 years later. Um, so it, it's just a brilliant movie and I, I highly recommend it for anyone. Scott. Uh, and this is number 42 on my top 100. Um, I think there's a funny trend happening, which is we had my number 21, which it was social network. You add 21, you get 42, which is this movie. If you add 21 again and get 63, you get a movie that could very well come up also on the episode. So we will just see. We'll just hold that there. But um, yeah, this movie's amazing. I mean, you know, y'all, everyone knows at this point that I basically eat this shit up when you have like these movies of journalists and professionals just doing procedural stuff looking through boxes making phone calls i mean there's like a whole 10 minute sequence in this movie of redford just like he calls one person on the phone he gets some information then he picks up the phone and calls another person then he calls the first person back with the information and it's just, i could just watch that the whole that could be the whole movie um they just make the grunt work of journalism look just like sexy and exciting um and obviously it's a true story it really meant something and um it's you know it's amazing to see such a monumental event in American history dramatized in this way. Um, and that these two guys were able to play such a huge role in what happened. Um, you know, they play off each other super well. It has some understated moments of comedy in it. Um, yeah, this is a movie that I think everyone who loves movies should watch. Kirk. Uh, this is solid for me. My brain does this thing with biopics. Like I know this definitely fits the definition, but like I separate biopic and based on a true story in my head so like i didn't consider this one because like to me it's like biopic is about the person the true story is about the thing um but that's nothing against the pick or the movie um the movie is really good i uh i think like you know garcia how close it was to the actual event like i think that's definitely to the movie's benefit because you feel that energy in it i think if you feel the made this movie now um i think it would just have too much ba of our own baggage uh, in it, and it wouldn't feel as raw as this movie does. Uh, and I, I'm I'm the opposite, Scott. We've talked about this before. Like I'm not a big fan of procedurals, um, but that's not my like a genre that I'm really drawn to. Um, but the way they do it, the way this pace and the performances are so good um, that I, this isn't in my top 100, but this is one where definitely a couple more rewatches definitely could make it. Okay. Uh, I've seen this once. I watched it in 2020 during the pandemic and uh, I liked it. I didn't like it as much as I was expecting to because I also usually eat this shit up. Uh, but this one, um, I, I again, I liked it. I was just, I think I was going in expecting like all time classic. I, I've talked about this before where like there was like a stretch, like a two or three week stretch where I just checked off a bunch of blind spots of like I watched like this. Back to the Future, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, uh, fucking uh, like a bunch of movies like this that everyone has told me they're amazing. And I watched them in like the span of two weeks. So some of them kind of didn't make the cut as ones that I liked. Uh, uh, and th this was one of them. I, again, didn't hate the movie, but uh, 
I thought it was good, just not great. Uh, Boatman, what about you? Yeah, uh, I I actually do like this one a lot, but I I the first time I watched it, I felt like you, Tim. Like I did not. This did not hit for me the first time. I think this is a movie that benefits from a second watch, in my opinion. I think a lot of things get better in this movie on rewatch for me anyway. I, I can't speak to anyone else, but for me, this is one that has grown on me the more I watch it. I really like the dynamic between Woodward and Bernstein. But yeah, also agree with Kirk here. He it totally counts. This this is not one of those ones I think of because I'm when I think of biopics, I'm thinking of, you know, kind of cradle to grave biopics. Life story. Yeah, life story, or at least biopics that kind of focus around one person, whereas this is... Yeah, this it, is Woodward like, and Bernstein, yeah. Yeah, this, this still definitely is a biopic. Don't get me wrong. Like, it is. It's just not... That's why I don't think of it immediately. But this totally counts. Great pick. Okay. Uh, we are on to Scott. All right, I'm going to pick another Spielberg movie. Uh, I'm going with Schindler's List. Um, I've said before that I think evaluating objectively, this is probably the best movie I've ever seen. Um, I don't think that there's a single flaw in this movie. I think everything about it is perfectly perfectly constructed, and it's certainly the most emotionally impactful movie I've ever seen. I cannot watch the last 20 minutes of this movie without just being a complete wreck. Like, no matter how many times I've seen it, no matter how many times I've watched it on YouTube, like, it just it just completely breaks down all of my defenses. But, you know, the reason that it, it is that way is, you know, obviously the weight of the true events, but also because the rest of the story in the movie is so well told. And um, I think it, you know, needs to be as long as it is for us to get every aspect of Oscar Schindler's, you know, change as a person. Uh, I mean, obviously at the beginning, this is just business to him and he's, you know, he supports the Nazis because it's the thing to do, right? Um, but slowly over time, his defenses start getting broken down. I mean, starting with the man that he talks to with one arm, you know, and he gets so mad at Ben Kingsley's character. Well, why did you bring him in here or whatever to thank me? Because all of a sudden he realizes he's feeling emotion about these people and he just wants to see them as workers. He doesn't want to see them as people. And, you know, it all starts there and it just keeps going um obviously the scene where he sprays um you know the hose and everything gives them water um is kind of the the real breaking point but all of his interactions with with uh ray finds his character um the like really clever ways that he tries to use ray finds his own logic against him basically and try to get him to stop doing what he's doing um i love just sort of the battle of wits that's going on there um, it's just uh, that, you know, the black and white looks gorgeous. It's just, again, a, an incredible, incredible, immaculately, immaculately constructed movie. Um, and like I said, the last 20 minutes, like just uh, the first time watching it, I just like was speechless. I had to just walk around for like an hour after this movie because it just it's devastating. And, you know, some people say it's such a hard watch and like, I'm never going to begrudge anyone for saying that it obviously is because we're talking about depicting in unflinching way, the darkest moment in human history. Um, but the way, I mean, it's Spiel, it's to Spielberg's credit that like, you know, 
after the ending of that movie, it fills you with like so much hope about like, here's what impact one person can make. Like there are literally generations because of this one guy that I do find it strangely not, I'm mean, not gonna say easy to go back to, but I can go back to it uh, because I feel like there is as much of a silver lining on the end of it as you can you can possibly get out of the story. And again, I think that goes to to Spielberg tapping into his crowd pleasing in, instinct, you know, which is he sidelines for so much of this movie to just depict the Holocaust for what it is. Uh, but he still has that piece of him that he's able to you know, just really emotionally stir you in the end. Um, and so it is a movie that I go back to and it is in my top 10 of all time. So it's amazing. Kirk. Uh, yeah, this is one I've watched. I mean, what everybody says, I've seen it once. I'll probably never watch it again. You know, I, you know, it's despite how great it is, uh, just because the weight of it, like I'm the same as uh, uh, Scott is. I, I wait, I waited a long time to watch this, like, like decades before I actually built, built up the courage to watch it, I sat down to watch it, and I was fine. Like I was surprised at how together I kept it until that ending. Until you know, I could have got one more. Uh, just completely breaks me. And um, yeah, I think it's good. What I like about it, and I mean, I don't know the true that much about the true story of Oscar Schindler, so maybe they did clean it up a bit. Um, but they still they don't try to make him out to be this absolute saint. Like you see his yeah. like dirty underbelly, and you see that he's not a perfect person. Um, which makes it better because it's not like it's basically saying like, you know, you can be, you know, you don't have to be an angel uh, to to do something like this. You just have to be a halfway decent human being to see what's going on here and do something about it. Um, and that's all it takes. And like Scott says, you know, just the, the result of that. Um, so, yeah, and I think it's great. I mean, the depictions of, you know, um, the Night of Broken Glass and all that and just the, everything leading up, you know, to clearing of the ghetto uh, is just uh it, it, i mean it, it feels like you're actually watching it's almost like a companion piece to uh saving private ryan because you know you talk to the war veterans and they say like that's what it looked like that's what it sounded like and i feel like that's the same with um those scenes in this like i feel like you know it's it's horrible it sounds like it's putting you in it and letting you see what it really looked like uh yeah i i think this movie's incredible uh i've seen it three times i believe i watched it once in high school and then uh uh shortly after um i graduated and then i watched it with maggie a year or two ago because she had never seen it and i agree with scott it's not one where like uh i'm immediately like oh god i just want to pop in schindler's list but i'm not against re-watching it multiple times because i think it's uh the uplifting parts at the end uh like it, it th this is one of those rare movies like i'm very easily emotionally manipulated when it comes to films but this is one where like man like you 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 feel things watching this and uh i don't want to say that i like that but i kind of like it uh the the ghetto scene is fucking unreal it's just it's it it's so insane and and uh, I think Ray Fiennes was robbed of an Oscar for this. Like, robbed. Uh, he's so good in this movie um, as at being the literal scum of the earth. Uh, it, it's just absolutely nuts. And and Liam Neeson is really incredible, too. I think Ben Kingsley's fantastic. Um, this is also one of those where, like, 
the three hours and 15 minutes does not bother me at all. It goes by like that for me. So uh, big fan. This is one of the, yeah, it, it's one of the best movies ever made. Uh, Bowman. Yeah, uh, I'm on team. This is a masterpiece, but a masterpiece. I don't know if I see myself really walking again. Um, it's it's just it's a lot. It's a lot, but like it's it's incredibly well made and just a masterpiece. Ray finds is I think just he's evil, but he's not inhuman and i think that's what makes this performance so scary is that there's still like those moments of recognizability that pop out and it's so terrifying when you add everything else to that he's so good in this like he's he's absolutely terrifying all right, Garth, what about you? Uh, yeah, one of Spielberg's best, obviously. Um, it is a rough watch, but I have watched it many times. And, you know, it's it's an uplifting story uh, in saving who you can. Um, it's kind of, you know, what lifeboats can you get off a sinking ship, you know, kind of story. Uh, it's... Who, who can you get out to survive? And um, so it's a very dark story, uh, obviously Holocaust, but uh, the uplifting part is that some make it out. And I had to just look it up now. There's a very <clears throat> cool video on uh, YouTube about uh, Sir Nicholas Winston or Winton, Winton on uh, That's Life on BBC where he was similar to Schindler. He got people out. He mostly children. Uh, he got over 600 children out and uh, they surprised him. And like the whole crowd is like the children he saved and they all like wow. and thing. And it's, it's a very moving video. Uh, and so it's that kind of thing. It just shows that, uh, you know, th they get these kids out and then these kids have families and they have kids and, you know, it, it's it affects generations, and and you know, it's not just one kid; it's all those kids, kids, and those kids. So it's hundreds, if not thousands, more. You know, when you think about the generations after. Uh, so yeah, very important movie, and it's it's a must watch. Even if you can only watch it one time, watch it once. Yeah. All right, uh, Kirk. Okay, uh, I'm going to get to talk about the uh, El Pacino Sidley Lament movie I don't talk about all the time. Uh, my first pick is going to be Serpico. Um, and this is... I I don't know where this ranks for me for Pacino, but it's pretty high. Uh, I think he's so good. Like He's the perfect actor to carry the, to carry the weight uh, that is required uh, for this, that this character goes through. Um, and the movie does something really smart. It takes a, it takes its time getting to what it's actually about. Um, and a big chunk at the beginning of the movie is it's almost just like a hangout movie. You're just getting to know this character, get to know this guy. Um, and uh, Pacino does such a great job playing him and making him so likable and so seeing someone that you want to succeed and have good things happen to. And then when things completely fall, start to fall apart for him, um, you're just so completely on board. And like I said, um, that just 
closing in and that claustrophobia that he feels uh, is uh, – Pacino just does a great at the beginning. He's like this kind of this happy go lucky guy. He's loving life and, you know, doing all these different things. And then you just see that go away. And uh, there's just certain moments in this, a couple moments in this movie where he just breaks and he just falls apart and just can't take it anymore. And um, just that range that you get from him. So good. Um, really good support, like 70 supporting cast. Um, really well shot, just some really good shots. There's a scene where uh, they have like an impromptu meeting between all the police and what they're going to do with Serpico in the middle of a park. And they just, they're, you know, they're just this guy's in the circle and then just it breaks. And they all just, wide shot of them all just walking away in different directions. It's so good. Um, and just a lot of stuff like that. Um, and I, Pacino, I think, lived with the real Frank Serpico for a while before this, just to get to know him. And you could just see that. You could just see the passion for the character and telling the story in it. Um, and it's just a movie I really love. I've never seen this, but I would like to. I've been told I would really like it, but I have not seen it. Uh, Bowman. Yeah, uh, I think that this is this is a great crime film. Uh, I th- I I'll be honest. I kind of forgot for two seconds that this was a biopic. Until you brought it up, I was like, "Oh yeah, Frank Serpico was a real guy." Because uh, I think actually that's to the movie's credit is that this movie doesn't feel like a biopic; it feels like a crime story and a really great detective drama. And I think that's partially the the way Sidney Lumet directs this. Like he directs the heck out of this movie. This doesn't make like the top echelon for me for like Lumet or Pacino, but it's totally, it's solid. It is like an absolutely really good movie. Uh, Garth. Uh, yeah, yeah. This was on my list of, uh, biopics to bring up. And, uh, uh, I saw it back in the seventies and it was, you know, uh, definitely felt in its time and, uh, you know, really a lot of bad, bad, dirty cops and, and, uh, people, you know, risking their lives to go undercover to, uh, you know, reveal who was dirty and who wasn't and stuff like that. <clears throat> and unfortunately, all these decades later, you know, uh, we're st- still going through stuff like that. But um, as Kirk said, uh, Pacino uh, hung out with the real Frank Serpico and got his uh, mannerisms and, and things like that down. And it's just a brilliant portrayal and uh his story is fascinating and i've read books about it as well and uh just to go against your own guys uh and risk your life trying to uncover the scum uh is is a very heroic and uh you know it's a great movie okay uh scott i haven't seen it either actually okay uh, so we will move on, uh, to my next pick. This is, I, I'm going to, I'm just going to be a weirdo and go for the one that I thought Boatman was going to go for. And so maybe like, uh, uh Steve Jobs, like <laughs> what I, what I thought Boatman was going to go for, it's sitting right behind him. It, um, is, it is behind me. Oh, yeah. That wouldn't have been my next pick either. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I love I, a lot of biopics. That's fair. And I do too. And that's the thing is like, I went, but for some reason, like, I don't know what it is about this movie, but it is so rewatchable for me. Uh, I think Fassbender is incredible as this character. Um, 
I remember seeing this in the theater and just being like totally enamored from beginning to end. I think Kate Winslet is really fucking good, but honestly, the standout to me with Jeff Daniels, I think, is so so good in this. Seth Rogen is great, and just the idea of taking uh, Steve Jobs from like three different important parts of his life and of his career uh, and showcasing that while sprinkling in like other stuff throughout. It, it was, it was genius. I thought it was a really cool idea. And as someone who just doesn't know a lot about the guy, like I saw the Ashton Kutcher movie two years before this. Um, and then I saw this and I, that's, that's my base knowledge on, on Steve Jobs. So just purely based on what the movie is giving me, I think it's, it's absolutely incredible. Um, and there are just so many moments that like, I think the big fight between Jeff Daniels and, and, uh, and, uh, Fassbender in the middle section in the second act of the film is what is one of my favorite moments when they're kind of arguing about like how jobs left Apple and everything I think is, is super good. Um, and I also just love the, uh, the, stuff at the beginning with needing the computer to say hello it's so stupid but i love it when he's just like uh it's warm and it's playful and it needs to say hello like i just i love that whole thing uh and yeah i just i i don't know there's just i think it, it's probably the sorkin dialogue more than Boyle's directing i think that he does a good job directing i think the editing is really good uh, and the score is really good but it, it, it first and foremost is the dialogue and i just think the script is really really top notch and this is one of my favorite ones to just like man i want to kick back and watch steve jobs like I, I think i'm like one of seven people on planet earth that would do that and caleb boatman is one of them uh so boatman uh what's your take on the movie yeah it's weird i've actually been thinking about this movie like a lot lately i think i just really want to rewatch it because it's been a minute uh there are just so many moments in this one of my favorite scenes of like the last decade is I play the orchestra. Like the argument between Wozniak and Jobs in the like orchestra pit is such a great scene. And I, I really love like the three modes of Jobs that we see and how it really does kind of show the transformation of the character and how all the other people change around him. I think that's great. Seth Rogen, I think is phenomenal in this. I think he's, probably the best she's ever been. Michael Fassbender is just astounding. And yeah, Kate Winslet, I think is the best part of this movie. I think she's just phenomenal. But yeah, no, I I, I love Steve Jobs. I think this is a brilliant movie. Also, Michael Stuhlbarg. Michael yes. Stuhlbarg is really good in this too. He gets one of the best uh, comebacks in the movie uh, where Jobs is like, you had three weeks to get the the program to work, the universe was created in a third of that time. Well, one of these days, Steve, you'll have to tell us how you did it. Like, oh man, just just a great barb. Sorkin's great at just writing those barbs, and man, is that one of his best. To be fair, that is used in a West Wing episode, so he did steal it from himself. He does that all the time, though. <laughs> he does that all the time. Uh, Garth. Uh, yeah, I love this movie. Uh, I'll I'll admit that I I've seen it a couple times when it came out, and I haven't seen it since, so I should revisit it. Um, I do like that Tim picked uh, two computer-based movies written by Aaron Sorkin. Uh, 
you know, you like what you like. And uh, Aaron Sorkin, once again, brilliant script, uh, brilliant writer. Uh, and, you know, as, as they said, uh, Fassbender is great in the role. And, you know, this is a movie I should revisit. Scott? Yeah, fantastic. Uh, very underrated, too, I think, because I think everyone just thinks about social network when they think about um, Sorkin, you know, in the 2010s. But, uh, yeah, this shows what he can do, like social network, when he has, like, a really great filmmaker maybe guiding him a little bit. Um, it's it's uh, it's fantastic. And it's a story that I didn't ever think I would be interested in. Like, I don't really care that much about Apple or Steve Jobs, but... Um, the way that they tell the story and with Sorkin's dialogue and the performances and everything, just um, it's like a symphony. It really is working, uh, working in harmony. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a, a fantastic movie. Kirk. I think I've seen like the first segment. I can't remember. I think I was studying this for trivia and for some reason, like a match got canceled. So I didn't have to finish it and I had other stuff to watch. So I never went back to it. Um, but what I've seen, I like Stolborg's really good. All right. Uh, Bowman. Uh, yeah, I'm going with uh, another one of my favorite biopics, uh, Amadeus. Uh, this is one of those biopics that I don't know the historical accuracy of this one, and frankly, I don't care. Um, I I couldn't care less, to be honest. I think this is just a brilliant film. The dynamic between Salieri and Mozart is brilliant i've talked about it countless times because it's such a perfect dynamic of mozart being this guy who has all this talent and is great but doesn't come from doesn't really kind of she, while he works hard he doesn't come from it from the angle that a salieri thinks he should and also from more of an angle of respect he kind of it's more of a, a flaunting thing. He also has a bunch of other problems. And Salieri is this guy who is the only one who recognizes Mozart's talent. He's the only one who gets that Mozart is a genius and he's jealous of him. And I think that's so brilliant. Uh, both Holt and Abraham are great here. Uh, I love, like, I love the way this movie looks. This movie looks gorgeous uh from a costume level a production design level just just a gorgeous looking movie love this film garth yeah uh this was uh definitely high on my list uh brilliant movie uh this is actually one of my dad's favorite movies we used to watch it a lot together uh and it's it's amazing uh that this was nominated for nine Academy Awards, won eight. The only one it didn't win was Tom Hulse because he lost to F. Murray Abraham. Mm -hmm. So it's still, you know, it was like, you know, because they were up against each other. And so it's amazing that it's, you know, it's that, it's that well done. And uh, Tom Hulse capturing the spirit of the goofiness kid of, of Mozart because he was a kid for for a lot of the early years uh and you know doing the fart humor and other things like that and these are these are true stories uh as a whole as uh boatman said i'm not sure if it's 100 percent accurate but i know the the person who wrote the movie peter schaefer it's based on his book 
so I'm not I'm not sure how much is accurate and how much he threw in, but I know the the anecdotes about the the fart humor and other stuff that Mozart would pull and pranks he'd pull and is true. Uh, and it's just a sad tale on Salieri's part, where it's like he knows he can't be as good, and he's like, you know, he's like, God damn it. Why am I, you know, here in the same time period and the same time as this kid? Brilliant, you know, like if I was born any other time, I'd be the brilliant guy, you know. Um, and it's it's a sad story and it's told beautifully. And yeah, I love it. Scott. I mean, this is one of those movies. I, if you love movies, I don't know how you don't love this. Like it just has everything in it. Um uh, it's one of my favorites for sure. And I love, it's just such a great way to tell a biopic in such a unique way of, we're not, you know, it's called Amadeus. It's the story of Mozart, but we're going to tell it from this other guy's perspective. And also in doing so, it becomes a biopic of the other guy as well. Um, so I think it's a really smart framing device um, that more biopics should consider using. One, another movie that I think does a really good um, job of it is um, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood because you you tell it from the perspective of the reporter. Um, you know, I think, I think it would really liven up some biopics that feel like, you know, just stale Wikipedia entries because it's giving you an interesting perspective on events that you may be familiar with already. Kirk. Yeah, I love this. I think I got this in my top 20. Um, I just rewatched it a while ago. I've been introducing it to my kids, letting them watch. They've really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, the historical stuff I know – from what I understand, it's it's the, there's a framework there, um, but you know they purposely didn't you know uh, stick too close, and they played it fast and loose for the purpose of the of the story that they're telling here. Um, and yeah, Boatman is exactly right. It, it looks fantastic. I said in my last review those um, those shallow focus shots of him uh, conducting from like the point of view of the orchestra with the crowd behind him. Um, maybe the single most beautiful thing I've ever seen in a movie ever. Just, it's, I could just stare at that, that five seconds of film forever. Um, and I've talked about this a lot too before. You know, we discussed relationships between characters. I love, this is one of my favorite movie relationships and just how, you know, off balance it is where Salieri is just completely obsessed with Mozart and Mozart barely knows Salieri exists. And what he does know him, he thinks they're friends. And he thinks they're you know they're close. Just that complete you know, lack of um, you know parity there between the two of them is so good. And just you know that that obsession, that like idea, of, you know, like Salieri is perfectly happy till Mozart showed up. It just Mozart existing ruined his life. Um, and I just loved going down that rabbit hole. Um, and yeah, like like Tim said, this is this is a movie lovers movie. Um, there's no way you there, I I can't see anybody saying anything bad about this. I believe Scott said that, but I appreciate Tim hasn't even talked uh, yet, but yeah. I'll take, Scott, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll take the credit. No, you're good. Smart. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've only seen this once, but I loved it. Um, I, I, I owe it a rewatch because uh, it's been quite a while. I think I watched it in like 2018 or 2019, so it, it's been a while. Uh, okay, uh, I believe we are on to Garth. Okay, so no, no hiding it. I'm a big comics guy. And comic artist myself, so I'm. My next pick is going to be American Splendor. Uh, it's uh, Paul Giamatti is Harvey Picar. 
Um, he was an underground comics artist. Uh, he he did these American Splendor comics that were autobiographical and became so popular that he was on uh, David Letterman once, and he was so loved that he was a regular guest on Letterman after that. Uh, I highly recommend watching the the Letterman interviews on uh, on YouTube at some point for the real guy. Uh, but Paul Giamatti hung out with Picar and uh, uh, studied him and stuff and and gets it all down right. Uh, he does a brilliant portrayal. He really uh, encapsulates him. Uh, and the rest of the cast is great, too. Uh, Hope Davis as his wife, uh, Joyce. And uh, James Urbaniak as uh, Robert Crumb, uh, who drew most of the American Splendor comics. Um, uh, he's known for like weird stuff like Fritz the cat and things like that. Um, uh, uh, but it's, you know, it's, it's all about, uh, him in, in Cleveland and stuff and working as a patent clerk, but also writing comics and, and stuff. And then, uh, one of his, uh, biggest, uh, storylines was, uh, my year with cancer where he gets lymphoma and stuff and struggles to survive and uh that's portrayed in the movie very well um and i just highly recommend it and if you're especially if you're a fan of paul giamatti and anything this is i think his best role scott haven't seen it actually kirk Um, yeah, I really uh, like this movie a lot. Uh, I also think it's maybe Giamatti's best role. He wasn't even nominated for this, was he? No, the only nomination it got was Best Adapted Screenplay. Yeah, and he, um, I mean, this is my favorite. I, I think Giamatti can do it all, but this is my favorite version of Giamatti, just like he's the perfect curmudgeon. And I love the fact that, like, the like you know, Scott was talking about, you know, fresh ways to tell biopics. Uh, this movie, you know, incorporates the real people and kind of weaves them in and out. The real characters weaves them in and out. Like the, the characters, the actors playing the characters meet the real people and talk at certain points. Um, so that makes a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, he's just so good at, at, at playing this character and kind of like, even though there's not much to like about him, they, they, he gets you to root for him and kind of makes you um, get you on his side. Um, so yeah, I think this movie is a lot of fun. I've also never seen it. Uh, yeah, I love the heck out of this movie. Uh, what Kirk was saying was right. Is like in the 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 way this movie kind of does it in a non traditional uh, format of telling the biopic. Specifically, kind of reminds me. Well, it doesn't you know remind this movie came out after? But I wouldn't be surprised if when they were making American Animals, they took a few hints from American Splendor in kind of the way that story is told. It kind of reminds me of that not to that extreme degree but i also like the way that like uh the comics are kind of put into this where at certain points you get the animated or comic harvey bringing himself into this and i think that's really interesting the way reality is kind of blurred uh i i think this movie is phenomenal giamatti is just astounding in this this is Maybe my second favorite performance from him. He is he is great. He should have been nominated. All right, Scott. 
Okay. Um, I'm going to pick a movie that was actually in the poll for movie of the month this month. Uh, and while I am happy with what won, uh, this was a strong second choice for me. And it is uh, The Hurricane. Um, this movie is a great example of a director who, and, you know, it's Norman Jewison, and it's not a hack director, but who knows when to get out of the way of what he's got um, because there's nothing flashy about his filmmaking. It's largely the, the directing is largely anonymous, but it doesn't matter because the story and the lead performance are just unbelievably compelling. Um, you know, Denzel Washington is one of those actors who you could ask somebody, what's your, you know, what's your top Denzel Washington performance? They could say 15 different movies. And I would be like, yeah, you're probably right about that. Uh, this is the one for me. Uh, and I know it's probably not a lot of people's number one, but also the subject matter of the movie is like, you know, speaks personally to me and, you know, what I do um, that I think that is part of the reason why. But um, it's an unbelievable performance. Uh, the one scene that is actually a little bit off center is where he's in solitary confinement and he's like shadow boxing and it's like really sort of quick cutting and everything and it's just like mesmerizing he, his performance is incredible and there's a moment at the end of the movie when uh, so the story is that he plays reuben carter who's a boxer that's wrongfully convicted of murder and spends over 20 years in prison and um these people get involved in this case a young boy named lesra and who lives in the home of these three canadian teachers basically um leave schreiber john hannah and deborah unger and um they he picks lesra picks up uh, reuben carter's book reads it gets invested in the story and you know it's like i want to free this guy and so at the end of the movie when they finally got in a rehearing and denzel's about to go back in for the verdict basically and Lesser goes to see him in prison and he has this line and like literally 99 out of a hundred actors could not sell it. But he says this line where he's like, uh, hate put me in this prison. Love's going to spring me out. And like, he's the only person who can deliver that line. And it's just like, hell yeah. Um, when you're watching it. So like, it's not like, it, you know, I pick Schindler's list. This is not the best movie ever made. Like Schindler's list is. Uh, but the story is just like unbelievably compelling. Obviously, it was made famous by the Bob Dylan song as well, uh, which is in the movie. And it's like it's the it's God tier Denzel for me. Like even if it's not your number one, like it is him um, in God mode. So um, I think this is a movie that people don't really talk about because, like, again, it's not like you know some insane movie, um, but like. It, it is a movie, it is a story that remains important to be told. And, you know, it's a performance that will endure through every era, I think. So I highly recommend people check this movie out. Kirk? Um, I like this movie. I think Denzel is fantastic in it. And like he does some other stuff, he elevates it a lot. I do think beyond him, it is a little more of a, like, basic biopic, kind of, you know, step-by-step -step biopic. Um, but he is, he's amazing in it. Um, rest of the class, class, uh, cast is really good. Clancy Brown plays a good guy, prison guard in this. And if you watch this back to back with Schindler's List, it's going to be really shocking to see that. Uh, I'm not Schindler's List, uh, Shawshank. Shawshank. Yeah. But, um, yeah, he's really good in it. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's an important story. Like it's a, it's a movie, like it's a, it needs to be made and the story needs to be told. Um, I just feel like it's a little more like the actual filmmaking 
is kind of like basic biopic stuff. But again, Denzel's amazing. I don't disagree. Uh, I've never seen it actually, but Cody's been telling me to watch this one for a while. So, uh, Boatman, I've also never seen it. What about Garth? Yeah, I've seen it, uh, and actually, I had to just look it up. Uh, so, my first uh, exposure to his story was the Bob Dylan song, and I had to look up when it came out. It came out in 1975 when I was a kid, and I remember loving the song and and getting into like, oh, who is this about? What? Uh, so, you know, this is all these years, you know, decades later and stuff, but it's a brilliantly made, uh, movie about his life. Uh, and you know, it's, it's a, one of those tales that needs to be told of, uh, wrongful convictions and what can happen. Uh, and there are too many stories of that where, you know, people are in jail for way too long, uh, on charges that they, you know. Even people uh, who are guilty who are in prison for way too long. Yep. But that's another matter. Uh, but yeah, it was it's a it, uh, well-made movie and an important story. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Kirk, I believe we're on to you. Um, yeah, for my second pick, I'm going to go with a, a movie. Again, it's not the greatest movie ever made, um, but I think it's a good biopic and it's kind of underseen. Uh, I'm going to go with The Founder. Uh, with Michael Keaton. Yeah. Um, he plays Ray Kroc, the founder of McDonald's. And Keaton's great in this. I think he plays he plays the role really great. Uh, but really, what really fascinates me about this movie is the fact that it's constructed and, you know, paced and, you know, just has all the, the trappings of, like, a ra- rags to riches story where this guy's the hero and, you know, you're, you're rooting for him and you're on his side. But the person himself is awful and by the end of the movie you kind it's it's told in such a way where you almost at least i did you feel kind of complicit in what he's done um it's all it's kind of like it's 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 zuckerberg before zuckerberg it's a story about how he basically stole mcdonald's uh out from under the guys who 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 uh who originally came up with the idea and uh there's even moments like in the trailer um, there's lines in the trailer, like the trailer, like gotcha lines, like, you know, like him, like, you know, like a snarky line or something where he gets one up on somebody. Um, and you watch it in the trailer, like, oh, yeah, you got him. But then you watch the movie, like, oh, that was awful because he's like totally screwing somebody over in that spot in that, in that, in that, in that moment. Um, and you, you go through, and like I said, it's, and he starts out slow. There's a moment at the beginning, Laura Dern plays his wife, and he's like this basically traveling salesman who's, who's like, comes, keeps coming up with these different gimmicks trying to get rich. And, you know, he's pushing and pushing and pushing. He wants that status. And she says to him, uh, you know, early on, they're in the kitchen just talking about what he's doing. She's like, when's it going to be enough, Ray? And he says, probably never. And he's kind of upfront about it. And, like, you see him just that that desire um, for, you know, making something of himself. And it's like just like that kind of, like, dark side of the American dream where, you know, he achieves it, but at what cost? And... Um, it's 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 a really really uh, interesting movie to watch. I'm shocked. This is this and Concussion are two movies where I watch it. Like, how did they get the rights? Like, I have no idea how they got the rights to the McDonald's name and imagery because they make him look awful in this movie. Like, by the time it's over, there's nothing to redeem about him, and you feel sick for having watched it. Um, but it's still worth watching because it's a really interesting movie. It's told very well. 
Yeah, I really liked this one when I saw it in the theater. Um, I I've never felt the need to go back to it, but I remember seeing it in in theaters with Maggie and really enjoying it. And this was kind of you know after uh, he did Birdman and then Spotlight, and then it was like this, and we were all kind of like, oh, is he is he going for another is another big Oscar-y movie? Yeah. And then it was good, but it, it didn't quite reach that status, but. I really like him in it. I think the final scene of the film is is really impressive. Uh, he's that's kind of where like I think he gets his big like Oscary moment. But um, the um, the the McDonald brothers in this, I think it's John Carroll Lynch and Nick Offerman, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken, they're both yeah. really excellent in this as well. Uh, I just, I love Michael Keaton, so I'll watch him in anything, uh, even that fucking RoboCop remake. Like I'll I'll literally watch him in anything. So uh, this this is a good time. Uh, Boatman, have you seen this? Uh, yeah, I have. Uh, it's been a while, but no, I I've seen it, and I I there's a lot of. I think this is a movie that's the parts are not as good as the whole, but I like a lot of the parts. Um, I I don't find that this movie really adds up to something I I like to revisit a lot, but there are a few scenes I actually find myself coming back to, like on YouTube, that are really good. Uh, So yeah, overall, good. Garth, what about you? Yeah, I really liked it, and I had to look up, I remembered Nick Offerman was one of the brothers, I had to look up John Carroll Lynch, I was like, it's the husband in Fargo, what's his name? Uh, but they're they're really brilliant as the McDonald's brothers uh, and how they get screwed over by him. Um, and, you know, it's it's one of those corporate greed stories that we see too often. Uh, and it's, you know, it's portrayed in a good way in that uh, Michael Keaton comes off initially looking like, you know, he's just a shrewd businessman, but then he, like, He's a real scumbag. He does some real scumbag stuff. And uh, you're like, wow, okay. Uh, and it's a well-made movie. And yeah, great pick. Scott? Um, I think the answer to your question, Kirk, is that at this point, McDonald's and the NFL are too big to fail, probably. Um, if, uh, if you know, Mac and me and uh, Super Size Me didn't take down McDonald's, I doubt that this is going to either. But, um, yeah, I haven't seen the movie, actually. But um, all the actors you named, I don't think I even realized Laura Dern was in it. But definitely makes me want to see it more. She's great and everything. Uh, okay, oh, yeah. that's our list. So head over to the Letterboxd uh, to take a look at our list of biopics. Uh, great conversation tonight. Love it. Uh, so we are moving on to the movie of the month. But if I'm not mistaken, I think we've all talked about it, except for Kirk, who hasn't watched it. Uh, so, right, Kirk? Is that correct? You, you don't yeah, do- dog eat my homework. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, Scott, if you want to talk about it, since you didn't get to very much when you were here last. Yeah, okay. Just briefly, yeah, I'll, I'll say because I know we've gone long, but um, yeah, I mean, this is a movie that was very close to making my top 100. I think this movie is very, very underrated. I think it's incredible. I think it paved the way for some movies like Interstellar and Arrival, which I, you know, really love and which are contemporary sci-fi movies that people really love. Um, and I just love the sensitive way that it explores the you know, uh, relationship between science and religion and, you know, validates both positions, suggests that there is a place that uh, we can occupy where both of them can coexist and people on both sides of the debate can coexist. And that there are just questions in the universe that we're never going to be able to answer. Um, 
whichever side you you come down on. So um, I think it's uh, it's a very empathetic movie, um, and I, I really appreciate that. And I think this is my favorite Jodie Foster performance for sure. I'm not always a fan of her, but I think she's really really strong in this. Um, and it's uh, it's a movie maybe you don't expect to see from Zemeckis, but I think uh, you know he brings a lot to it. Uh, so I give it four and a half stars. It's it's uh, close to being in my top one hundred, like I said. All right. Well, guys, next week is going to be the last week for uh, contact, and so Boatman and I will have a poll out later this week for the next movie of the month and what we're going to pick from the eighties. Um, also, we didn't get a ton of traction on. Uh, movie spinoffs for next week so we might call an audible haven't decided yet but just we we, we only have one person so far and that's garth uh, so sorry garth but we might be calling an audible and and we maybe we'll do something else we'll we'll figure it out but when i'll talk and figure it out but we'll let you guys know on the channel but otherwise uh thanks for a great show uh so be on the lookout for that new poll and new topics for the month of july uh and we will see you guys real soon with the next episode thanks to garth scott Kirk, Boatman as always, we'll see you next time. Bye. In case I don't see you. Good afternoon, good evening.